Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter number three. I had a hard time sleeping last night. Excitement. Felt like a kid going to bed on Christmas Eve. I'm so looking forward to church. So looking forward to it. I love being able to turn on the internet at any moment's notice and and be able to listen to or watch preaching anywhere around the world. I, I thoroughly enjoy that. It's one of my favorite things about the internet. But there's just something about coming together as a body of believers, singing songs of him, studying together. I, I love that. We're going to look this morning in one verse of Scripture. And actually, we're only going to take a look at the first portion of this verse, but we're going to read it in its entirety so that we understand what's taking place. Look with me, if you would, at Philippians chapter number 3 and verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you... It is safe. Would you read with me that first sentence in verse 1? Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Father, thank you for your word. Bless it now to the minds of the hearers. Father, that we would not just hear, but that we would be doers. We pray these things in your son's name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As we have made our way through uh, this, uh, this book, we have looked at many different things uh, as far as these uh, different chapters and the way that they are broken up. Uh, I want to just kind of draw your mind back with me, if you would, uh, at uh, chapter number one in the book of Philippians. We saw that Christ was to be our life. And if you look there in verse 21 of chapter 1, we see the theme verse or the, uh, uh, the key verse for chapter number 1 is found in verse 21. For me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. What a wonderful thought. And if we could only get that into our minds, uh, the, the, uh, the idea that as I live my life, uh, my life is not about me and not about my interests, not about my wants, not about my desires, but for me to live is simply Christ. And everything that I do, uh, I do with Christ in mind. Everywhere that I go, I go with Christ in mind. And as we have made our way down through here, uh, as far as be, seeing how Christ is magnified through the Apostle Paul, and he says everything about me, whether it's my life, my uh, profession, or even in my bonds or my death, for me to live, it's all about Christ. And this was the heart's desire, and I believe the honest heart's desire of the Apostle Paul, and which ought to bring to us the idea of the thought that, you know, while I may not be perfect, I may not be Christ, Paul also was not perfect, also was not Christ, 
But he was able to say, for me to live is Christ. It ought to remove any uh, issue. It ought to remove any uh, complaint as far as you and I are concerned in reference to, well, I can't be perfect, so why do I even need to try? Don't set the bar so high, preacher man. You need to let us be able to just be us and move along in our own way and in our own uh, fashion. And listen, it's not about lowering the standard. We should never look or be excited about lowering the standards. People complain time and time again. I, if I've heard it once, I've heard it a hundred times, people uh, upset about the uh, uh, the new common core type math and stuff like that. It just, just drives you nuts, the, the new stuff that they're trying to teach. Are we going to have any engineers in the future? That's You've got to wonder, what in the world are we go- is happening and and. And we, we get upset. Why are they doing this? Well, th- that we need to bring it down to their level. I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> that's nice. Let's lower the standard. And we wonder why we are coming in in the 20th or the 30th places as far as the world is concerned when it comes to education. Why do we have a different mentality when it comes to the things of Christ? We see things like, well, for me to live is best I can do. <laughs> no. For me to live as Christ ought to be the goal, ought to be the desire of the life of a child of God. In chapter number two, we saw uh, a little bit more as far as not just the life of uh, the believer, but we also saw the mindset uh, of the believer. If you look in Philippians chapter two, verse number five, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus The mind of the believer ought to be the mind of Christ. And Paul is setting the bar where it ought to be. Let this mind be in you. What mind? Well, the mind of humility, the mind of unity, the mind of uh, of bringing yourself down. I love the way it says in verse number 7, he says, He made himself of no reputation, but took upon him the form of a servant. If you look in verse 6, what you find is that Christ was equal with God. He thought it wasn't robbery. It wasn't a thing that, uh, that he was not due. It was not something that he was owed for him to be equal with God. He deserved it. So for him to say, I have equality with God, would not be stealing something that was not his. It was his, rightfully. However, he humbled himself and made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of, of a servant, of a servant. So the mind of Christ is what we ought to uh, strive for. The mind of the believer should be one of humility, should be one of serving. Well, I don't like doing it that way. I don't want to go there. I don't, (laughs) I waited tables for a while. And, you know, (laughs) there are some people that you wait tables for you just kind of pray you trip on the way over. <laughs> you just, I'm just, you asked me to replace this one more time. You're going to have this T-bone steak across your head. <laughs> well, it's it's too well done. Well, you asked for medium well. It's not well. I want it less well than you should have asked. And, oh, you know. And you just, you're walking back going, why in the world would someone want to eat shoe leather? Why do you want it that done? I want my, I want my cow still mooing when it comes to the table. And you bring it, and it's like, you, you want it that? It's not done enough. <laughs> thunk, thunk. <laughs> it's done, okay? 
But, you know, you go back and you're walking away going, man, these people are crazy. You ought to taste how good the steak is if you leave the pink. But I'm not here to tell them what I want. I'm serving them. And so when they say I want it well done, I go back and I say, yeah, burn it. That's what they want. Because I'm serving them. So it has nothing to do with what I want. The mind of the believer is the mind of a servant. So I ask myself when I come to situations and I say, I don't want it that way, or that's not how I would have done it, or that's not the way. The mind of Christ is, how can I help you? Not how can I get my way. Not how can I do it my way. I know what you want. No, I'm going to do it a different way. Well, I wonder what someone would think if they ordered a medium or if they ordered a well-done steak and I'm walking away going, well done, man, you're crazy. And they said, you know what? I want sweet potatoes. I'm sweet potatoes with a T-bone? No, I'm going to bring them a medium rare with regular potatoes mashed. That would be better. They have every right to say no, take it back. Finally, we find ourselves here in chapter 3. And as we made our way toward the end of chapter 2, we saw two more examples of people who have that mind. So again, all excuses off the table. If I don't have the mind of Christ, if I'm not willing to serve others, if I'm not able to say for me to live as Christ, it is not anyone else's fault but my own. And Paul gives us, not only himself as an example, but Timothy and Epaphroditus. And he says, look, you don't think it can be done? Here, let me show you. It can be done. And then he says something interesting in chapter 3, verse 1. He says, finally, finally. Now, you all have been under my preaching long enough to know that when I say finally, that doesn't necessarily mean finally. Sometimes that means in addition to... And so next time I say my last point is, but I go on for another 10 to 15 minutes, please don't get mad. I'm being biblical. Because you'll notice it's at the beginning of chapter 3, and we've got a whole other chapter we haven't even gotten to yet. All right? So when we see the word finally, that doesn't mean in conclusion. Now, it's quite possible that the Apostle Paul comes to this verse 1 of chapter 3, and he is ready to wrap things up, but then he continues on because the Holy Spirit of God said, you need to say this as well. That is a possibility. But what I would like for you to see in all of this is the word finally, giving not necessarily just giving the impression, but also saying, as a result of what you have just read. You see, we've been looking at chapter 1, for me to live as Christ. Chapter 2, he says, here's the mindset of what that is for me to live as Christ. The mindset is the mind of Christ, humility, service, unity. That is the mindset. And so, as a result of that, look what he says there. My brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice. Well, I can't go to the store I want to go to. Every time I walk over there, they say there's a person at the door saying, put on a mask. (sighs) 
I want to do this. I want to do that. We wanted to go out to eat, but there was too many people in the restaurant. They said, you got to wait. Rejoice. Rejoice. You see, this is the thing that I love about this verse, and this is why I only wanted to focus in on this portion of this verse because I believe right now, uh, 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 over any of the times that many of us have ever seen as far as our nation is concerned, this is a time to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. He says, finally, if, if, if I'm able to, uh, to say, for me to live is Christ in everything that I want to do, every direction I want to go, every place I want to be, every time, I say, I want to do it with the cause of Christ in mind. I want to have Christ in my heart, in my vision. That's what I want for me to live is Christ. And then as I see that, my mind starts to change. And I say, I want more and more to be like Christ. And so my mindset says, how is Christ? And what is his way? And I start to see his, his way is humble. His way is perfect. His way is unified. And, and I start to see all the ways that Christ is. And I say, I want to have that mind. I don't want to just look like Christ. I don't want to just go to heaven to be with Christ. I want the mind of Christ. And I start to unify. I start to humble myself. I start to serve him. And then guess what? From that moment on, I have all cause to rejoice. It's easy for me to rejoice when I have Jesus as my foundation. It's difficult for me to rejoice when I have something else. As my foundation. You want to know why? Because Jesus never changes. He is always the same. Jesus Christ the same what? Today, yesterday, forever. Always the same. So when I have my joy rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. There is nothing no greater joy, no greater joy that can be had. Listen, there's, uh, there are many things in this life that make me happy. There are many things in this world that make me happy. But I want you to know something right now. Where I find my joy is in knowing him. That's joy. True joy. There's no greater joy than being saved and knowing it. I would absolutely hate to not be able to say, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded. I would hate to not be able to say that. But there are many people today who walk through this world and you say, uh, are, 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 would you, if you were to die today, would you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you will spend eternity with Christ in heaven? And they go, I hope so. What a sad existence. What a miserable thought to be able to have to go through the rest of the life going, I hope. I, I'd like to. I want to. I just don't know. Brothers and sisters, we who are blood-bought children of God can know. Read 1 John. He tells you when he's summing everything up in chapter 5, he says, look, these things have I written that you may know. That you may know. How in the world was Paul able to say, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him. How could he do that? Because he knew 
Christ. It wasn't just rejoicing in the prayer that I prayed. It wasn't in rejoicing in the time that I walked down the aisle. It wasn't in rejoicing in my church membership. It wasn't rejoicing in in how much money I put in the offering plate. It wasn't in rejoicing in how many years that I have served him in ministry. It wasn't in rejoicing in any of that. He says rejoice in the Lord. That's a beautiful thing. To rejoice in the Lord. Now, as we get into this chapter number three, we're going to notice a few things because, I mean, he puts it right out there in verse number two. He says, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. Now, in other words, there's some uh, evildoers, there's some uh, false teachers that he's getting ready to warn them about. But before he launches into warning against any false teacher, he encourages the Philippians to simply rejoice. And he points them to the direction of where their joy will be found. In the Lord. Don't rejoice in your education. Don't rejoice in how much Bible you may know. Rejoice in the Lord. Listen, I've known a lot of people who know a lot of the Bible but do not know Jesus Christ. That's a sad thing for someone to know that much of the Word of God but not know the God of the Word. That's a sad thing. I've sat across the table from people, and we've gone back and forth. We've discussed Scripture, and I'm amazed at how much Scripture that they know. But all the Scripture that they know is geared toward proving something in the opposite direction. And I just sit there, and I am dumbfounded. How can you know that much and be so blind to the God who wants to know you? He says, rejoice in the Lord. The Greek word translated rejoice is used in Philippians uh, over and over. Uh, it's in Philippians 1, 18, 2.17, 2.18, 2.28, 3.1. Uh, you'll read it in four, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 4, and chapter 4, verse 10. It is translated pretty much every time this word is translated rejoice, with the exception of chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. He says, uh, uh, yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice... And service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. That word joy is the same word. You'll find it again in verse 18. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice in me, with, with me. What he is saying with this, the reason why it's translated two separate ways in here is because of the emphatic uh, usage of the same word. It would be like me saying, uh, saying listen, let's, let's be happy. And overly happy. Let's not just be happy. Let's be excited. Let's not just be excited. Let's be elated. It's like my daughter, Abby. She likes to say when there's something good that she's eating, she'll say, it's not good, Dad. It's awesome. It's not just good, Dad. It's great. Like Tony the Tiger, right? Great. You know. This is what Paul's trying to say here. In order to keep on rejoicing, it is necessarily though, necessary, though, to be firmly grounded in him. It's necessary. Look with me, if you would. Go back, go over, I'm sorry, to Colossians chapter number 2. Just the next book over, Colossians chapter number 2. 
And look with me here in um, at verse, starting verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding where, therein with thanksgiving. You see what he's saying there? He says, be rooted in, uh, in Jesus Christ, rooted and built up in him. Elsewhere, but the Apostle Paul talks about no other foundation can be laid than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. This is what we build everything upon. We come back. Any doctrine that we look at, we, we, we study doctrine, different areas of doctrine. We say, well, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm going to believe this over here. Well, why are you believing it? Because it's based on who Jesus is. There's a lot of stuff out there today in doctrine that just does not match up with who the person of Jesus Christ is. It doesn't make sense. Why in the world would we, uh, would we uh, teach things where man is the center of attention, man is the focal point, man is the, uh, the one that we want to pay attention to, and, and we, you hear a lot of people talking about this health and wealth, and God wants you to have everything that you want, God wants you to be happy, God wants you to get this, and God wants you, no, no, listen to me, God wants you to have Jesus Christ. That's what he wants. And we see things like, well, he has the cattle on a thousand hills, so ask God for that new Ferrari, and you're going to get it. As long as you send in a check from the mark for $1,223.75. And it's all about me. No, no, for heaven's sake, no. Everything is about Jesus Christ. And this is why when Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. But we ask amiss to consume it of our own lusts. Well, I've been praying for an awful long time, Pastor Andy, and God just doesn't answer my prayers. Why are you praying? You're praying for your own personal benefit, your own personal wants, your own personal desires, your own personal selfish needs to consume them of your own personal selfish lusts? Or is Christ the motivation? I sure wish my boss would get saved. Maybe he'd give me a raise. So I'm going to pray that God will save my boss. And that way he'll give me a raise. That's selfless, isn't it? God, whether he gives me a raise or not. You are so worth it. You are so deserving, and you are so beautiful. I want him to see you. Now, that's a prayer God can honor. (laughs) He's mean, and he makes me work overtime. Will you make him nice to me? Come on. You know how many times we pray things like that, though? For our own personal wants and our own personal needs. I don't know, maybe I'm the one that needs to be sitting and everybody else preaching to me on that one, but that's, that's what I run into. I was talking to my father-in-law about this, and you know the biggest struggle I have is just simply getting out of the way. Just get out of the way. That's, that's the hardest thing that I find that I, I struggle with, and it's just, 
And a lot of times it's it's well-meaning. It's, you know, uh, well, I want to make sure that we schedule this. And I want to do this. And I want to get that ready. Not, well, you know what we got to do? Just get out of the way and let God do his work. Well, should I preach the same thing on Sunday morning that I preach Sunday? Maybe I should do a part one on Sunday morning and do a part two on Sunday night. Maybe I shouldn't do a Sunday night. Maybe I shouldn't do a Sunday morning. Maybe we should only do, th- maybe we should start doing Thursdays and Tuesdays. Just get out of the way. And let God do his work. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ is the foundation. Everything else of spiritual nature must be carefully built on this foundation. Look at 1 Corinthians with me. Look at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at verse number 11 there with me. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. If I do anything without Christ being the goal, if I do anything apart from Christ being the foundation, well, I probably ought to start. I probably ought to start doing this type of a ministry because if I don't do this kind of a ministry, then these people over here are going to be left behind. Wrong motivation. Wrong motivation. Uh, we ought to start a food pantry because we don't want to leave behind the people who don't have food. We ought to start a widow's ministry because we don't want to leave them behind. We ought to start a bus ministry because we want to pick them up. We ought to start a, a, a children's class because we want to make sure that the kids are taken care of. We ought to start a teen ministry because we want to reach the teenagers. We ought to start the college and career. No, 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 stop. We ought to do something because Jesus Christ. If we start a ministry... If we continue a ministry, it ought to be Christ as the motivation. I think it's wonderful to do things for other people. But the motivation needs to be Jesus. As we come to know Jesus through these scriptures and as we build upon this foundation, daily getting into the word, what we do is we start to learn some things about Christ and we start to understand more about him. And then just as Paul, you see, knowing Jesus Christ to the extent that we can rejoice in him gets us to the place where we're able to say, for me to live is Christ. So, let's tie all this together now. If, if, my life is about Jesus. It's going to motivate me to have my mind changed. And if my mind 
starts to become more and more like the mind of Christ. It will motivate my goals. And as we get into chapter 3, we're going to start to see the goal of the believer. Let me show you really quickly the verse of chapter 3. Go back to Philippians chapter 3. Look at verse Look at verse 19 here. Actually, <coughs> excuse me. Actually go back to verse 14. It says I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of Jesus in Jesus of God in Jesus Christ. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. If anything be otherwise minded, God shall reveal it. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Do you see where we're going with this? Now, I want you to take a look back with me again at verse number 14. I press toward the mark. For the prize of the high calling of God. Where is it found? In Jesus Christ. What is the goal of the believer? Knowing him. Knowing him. Go back now to verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. You see the goal of the believer. The goal of the believer is not to be the next Billy Graham. The goal of the believer is not to be the next Apostle Paul. The goal of the believer is not to be the greatest tither in the church. The goal of the believer is not to have the biggest bus route. The goal of the believer is not to have the most obedient children in the Sunday school classrooms. The goal of the believer is not to be the most beautiful singer. The goal of the believer is not to be the most talented uh, speaker or the, uh, the biggest Sunday school class or the biggest. No, no, no. You want to know the goal of the believer? Knowing him. That's it. And if that's my goal, I always have cause to rejoice. Always. It's when my goal is something else. I guess I don't have anything to be happy about now. No. The goal of the believer is Jesus Christ. And I've always got a reason to be happy. Always have a reason to rejoice. So joy and rejoice. I think it's time for some of God's children to wipe the smirk off their face. Quit looking like you just sucked on a persimmon. And smile 
and understand. I, come on, you've stood, you've been in the in, in church services long enough that you you know how it is <laughs> to God be the glory, great things He. Oh, come on, to God be the glory. Put a smile on that face. Rejoice. I'm excited about this whole COVID nineteen thing. I think it shook some people up. Now, somebody, uh, invariably, somebody is going to watch this on, oh, Pastor Andy's happy people are not, and that's not what I said. I said I'm excited that God is shaking some believers up. It's time for us to learn how to rejoice. It's time for us to learn how to find joy in difficult situations. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, many times we we just don't necessarily understand what's taking place. We don't fully grasp the idea of rejoicing in difficult times. Father, it's not because we can't. We do have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in us, calling out, Abba, Father. We do have that if we are truly believers. So, Father, why do we allow our joy to be robbed? It's because we have not made you the focus. You have not been the foundation. And so, Father, as we've made our way through up to this point, uh, understanding that that the life of the believer is Christ, that the mind of the believer is the mind of Christ, knowing Christ. Father, help us to rejoice. Help us to get our minds off of ourselves for just a moment and rejoice. Father, give to us a liberal portion of your peace that passes all understanding. We'll be careful, Father, to praise you for it. For we ask these things in your Son's name and for his sake.